This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. The Los Angeles Chargers appear to be moving forward with Brandon Staley as their head coach after blowing a 27-point lead in the wildcard round against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going to be looking for a new offensive coordinator, though, so maybe that will fix things. Maybe that won't. More on that coming up in just about 10 minutes here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I'm Courtney Cronin. He's Aaron Goldhammer. And as always, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. But as we march on towards the offseason for teams that are out of the playoffs and those who never even made the playoffs in the first place, like the Green Bay Packers, Aaron, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and what his future is going to be beyond this season. He was on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday. He had a lot to say, as he always does, talking about where his, where his mind is at right now and that he's not mentally and emotionally ready to make a decision on whether he's going to return for a 19th season, which really does keep us all in limbo, the Green Bay Packers included, considering the off-seasons when they've got to make their moves on Jordan Love, on David Bakhtiari, on Randall Cobb, and all these other players set to be free agents, and Rodgers at this time doesn't seem like he's anywhere close to letting the team know whether his intention is to play with them or not in 2023. Do you think Aaron Rodgers was better on Tuesdays with McAfee or on Sundays in in green and gold or green and whatever. I, I think he was almost better as co-host of the Pat McAfee show. And maybe he should consider a career as as like co-host of that rather than being the quarterback of the of the Packers. I just think he wasn't all the way in this year. And I believe in sports, Courtney, you're either all in or you're out, you know, like. I have no doubt, even though he didn't play very well, Tom Brady was putting his life on the line, taking hits for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He threw the ball 66 times last week. Rodgers just seemed detached to me. And it it feels to me like he wants to be an NBA player. He wants to be wanted. He wants to create a lot of drama. And ultimately, he might demand a trade, even though I don't... You and I were just talking about this as, as we were trying to prepare for this segment. I don't even understand how practical a trade is given his current contract situation mm-hmm. and the way the NFL salary cap works. Okay. It's not great. Any way you split the hairs for the green Bay Packers because of the way that they structured this contract. And I'm sure they wish they could have redone it after the 2022 off season when he signed it last March, they're going to be dealing with pain either way, whether he ends up retiring somewhere else, whether he ends up getting traded or, you know, releasing him is, is not possible whatsoever. They'd be incurring, like $140 million in dead money if they just like outright said goodbye to Aaron Rodgers, which they wouldn't do. But it's tricky. This is not just a situation of, hey, Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play in Green Bay anymore. If that's what he ends up deciding, send him somewhere where he can contend for a Super Bowl in his 19th season. Because That sounds like good talk radio. But it does until you actually start looking into the numbers because there's the post-June 1 and prior to June 1 designation in here. So if he's traded pro- prior to June 1st, 2023, they would take on a $40.3 million cap hit in 2023. Ooh. If he's traded after June 1st, which is that post-June 1 designation, a lot of teams do this for salary cap reasons because you can split out the cap hit uh, over the next two years, it's $15.8 million. That's what they would assume in 2023. 
2023. Okay. And the cap hits $24.48 million in 2024. Either way, you're eating a lot of money if you end up moving on from Aaron Rodgers and putting him onto another team in 2023. But that's the decision, Aaron, that Aaron Rodgers is going to have to come up with here in the next couple weeks, months, however long this thing drags on. What we do know is that the Green Bay Packers don't want to find themselves in the situation that they did entering 2021, where it was literally up until the night before training camp, and they weren't sure whether Aaron Rodgers was going to show up or not and be part of their team. He was. He gets the extension. But right now, those numbers do not look great for the Green Bay Packers. But as we know, there are a lot of quarterback needy teams around the NFL, and there would undoubtedly be some suitor for Aaron Rodgers, despite the fact that this team was 8-9, and nine, missed the playoffs. He's still a two-time MVP as recently as two years ago, and he's playing some good football down the stretch, or he did for the Green Bay Packers, despite them missing the playoffs. So what could those options possibly be? ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter was on Gabe, Chewy, Jen, and Chewy at ESPN Milwaukee talking about the potential options Aaron Rodgers could have going into next season. It's a question of supply and demand. And when you look at it, let's just go through the list off the top of our heads right now. Who needs a quarterback? Who needs somebody to make them competitive? Off the top of my head, the New York Jets. Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, Indianapolis Colts, Washington Commanders, Las Vegas Raiders. I just ripped off seven teams to you right there. Okay. The first name that came to mind there, and Adam did list seven, but he said the New York Jets first. And the reason that I think that this carries a little bit of weight is because Adam is not somebody who will go on to a radio station, an interview, on television, wherever, wherever it is, and speculate. I think he said the Jets because he's hearing that the Jets are very interested in pulling off a trade for Aaron Rodgers because when you look at their quarterback situation and Zach Wilson, certainly not it in all the guarantees that are wrapped up in his contract, 35 million of them, Aaron, they've got to figure out what they're going to do to capitalize on this window that they have for a Super Bowl caliber defense and an offense that under Mike White actually looked pretty good last season. That's why you're hearing the names Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, these veteran quarterbacks who are going to be on the move this offseason. Why not throw Aaron Rodgers into the mix? Because it makes sense for somebody who might be looking for another destination in a place that could actually help him win. Courtney, this is like history repeating itself. Where where did Brett Favre go when he left Green Bay? Don't do this to me. And then he's going to end up with the Vikings. Then ultimately, Rodgers is going to finish career at the member of the Minnesota Vikings, just like Brett Favre did. Now, to me, the real interesting question isn't yet, where is he going to go other than Green Bay? The real interesting question is, can he work himself out of Green Bay? Giving all the feel and dynamics and the, and the, the red tape that's sort of in place. Sure. I, I got to say, it felt like the end after that Sunday night game when he was walking arm-in-arm with Randall Cobb off the field and the press conference afterwards. Like, it just, it felt like he was, it felt like he was saying goodbye. And Schefter kind of agrees with that. This is also, take a listen, a comment that I don't think Adam would be saying this unless there was some sort of inside information behind it. You know, we saw him not giving up the jersey okay, him walking off arm-in-arm with Randall Cobb. The way he sounded, the way he saluted the beat writers, saying goodbye to them at the end of the year, thanking them for – he 
he sounded and looked like a guy who was saying goodbye and moving on. That that that's just the way that it looked and sounded to me. And I don't disagree with that because, you know, Aaron Rodgers, everything he says is loaded. And we parse through it because there's always this ambiguity layer to what comes out of his mouth that leads you to have to do that because so rarely has he said something or meant something that hasn't had some sort of veiled undertone to it. So, of course, in that press conference, I I even saw somebody say, look at what color shirt he's wearing. He usually wears black T-shirts to his post-game press conferences. He's wearing white this time. Is he waving a white flag? Like, we take this to the nth degree because Aaron Rodgers makes us all crazy and makes us have to do that because he's calculated and I do think that it is true though he is giving himself some time because honestly I don't think he knows one way or the other right now what he's going to do but you've got to think about the other elements that are going to play into his decision next year Randall Cobb is a free agent Alan Lazard's a free agent Mercedes Lewis is a free agent Robert Tanyan's a free agent and I was just looking through more contractual stuff for them outside of the fact that we haven't even mentioned Jordan Love's fifth year option that the Packers are probably looking at David Bakhti Ari's got a $9.5 million roster bonus due on the third day of the league year in March. The Green Bay Packers going to want to end, like, end up picking that up after he missed so many games for them and the knee injuries have been a thing for him the last couple of years. Or are they going to say, hey, we wouldn't mind moving on from you know your star left tackle because they don't think he's the same caliber of player that he was prior to you know this injury and end up starting over? Are they going to hit the reset button? You got to remember, Green Bay has not had to hit the reset button in 30 years. This is uncharted <laughs> territory for them. So we well, truly have no well, idea. I mean, you've well, been so spoiled with quarterback stability. Right. So I can't have that much sympathy for you. But again, this is why we don't know which way this is going to go because this front office has never truly had to start over because they've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, two quarterbacks over the last 30 years that have given them stability at the one position that you need it to be yeah. where you don't necessarily have to work about the rest of the team as you try to like rebuild it or build in a certain sure. direction. And all that is fair. I mean, I guess they had the one year where they transitioned from Favre to Rodgers where I think they went 6-10, and 10. but they've basically had a franchise quarterback for three consecutive decades. Okay? Now, they may have one for longer than that if Jordan Love is really good, but at some point they're going to have to get that answer. Yeah. I'm starting to feel, my, my last thing on this, Courtney, that there is a significant chunk of the Packer fan base that wants to move on from Aaron Rodgers. That's just all the drama and the that they're just exhausted with the whole thing and that they feel like the organization would be free. theirs again. And it's I put it in these terms. Who owns the Green Bay Packers? The, the, the fans, fans do. Nah, nah, who last five years, Courtney, who owns the Green Bay Packers? Aaron Rodgers does. Right. And so I think the fans would like to see the team wrestled back from Rodgers and back into their hands. And that's part of what this is about. Yeah. No, I I don't disagree. And I think that he is within his right to take some time to make this decision. But you have some a section of this fan base who says not again we're not going through 2021 again you're not holding this franchise hostage again because they want to get back to being competitive they were competitive in the back end of the season because they were winning games against teams like the bears and the rams in a team in a game where Tua was very clearly concussed they go and beat the dolphins on the road and then they beat Minnesota, which was the most fraudulent 13-4 and four team ever. Like, There's a lot of holes that you can poke in what the Green Bay Packers were doing, too, to where I think some people would say, hey, 
Maybe it's time to reset. Maybe, you know, this Rogers run has been incredible, but it is time for something new. We just need to figure out when and where Aaron Rodgers will come to that decision and what it'll be because that's going to be the first domino to fall in what should be a very, very busy offseason for the Green Bay Packers. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. All right, so Brandon Staley, the head coach... You heard that correctly. The head coach, he's still the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, despite blowing a 27-point lead in the AFC wildcard round and losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road 31-30. to He spoke today, first time he's talked since that incredible loss that they had at TIAA Bank Stadium, and he had this to say about the state of his Chargers. We definitely improved as a franchise this season. You know, we, we took a step as a franchise, and we – you know, earned ourselves a, a spot in the tournament. And, you know, I think um, I'm as frustrated as anybody that's a Chargers fan over what happened because there's no one that's investing as much as we are in what happened. And uh, the first half of that football game, I think you saw the very best of our team. Um, and then the second half, um, you know, you saw the, the places that we need to improve. But since I've been the head coach, I've been the head coach for 25 games, 25. And that is the first time that a lead like that, all right, has, has happened. You know, and we're the team over two years that have come back. We're the ones that have made the comebacks. We're the ones this season that had to fight to come back, to scrap. And so when I say it's different, it is different because if it were the same, then we wouldn't have made the postseason. We wouldn't have at six and six won four consecutive games to earn the top wild card spot. There is progress being made within our football team, and you can see it because the team that we have right now is a much different team than we had a year ago. There is progress, but the fact is they still chargered their way out of the postseason. And the fact is your team is a verb, and that's not a great thing. They finished 10-7. and seven, They made the playoffs, and he has a built-in excuse saying, quote, I felt like we overperformed based on our situation and the circumstances. Aaron, what he's referring to there is all of the injuries the Chargers had to overcome, and honestly ones that you know you can kind of point to the head coach as being responsible for, considering the fact they were without Mike Williams in that final <laughs> – in the, in the playoffs because he played in that meaningless game against That's the right. Denver Broncos. And That's then right. all of a sudden, last week, he showed up with – back fractures on the injury report. I just don't know if those excuses will end up cutting it much longer. They certainly wouldn't cut it on any other team. And there has been the notion that Dean Spanos as an owner falls onto the frugal side. Now, Many are going to ask, well, how, how much longer is Brandon Staley's leash going to be? I don't think Dean Spanos was going to want to pull the plug on Staley after two seasons as their head coach, pay his buyout, and then go pay $15 million or whatever it is for Sean Payton and give up a first-round pick in the process. And then that cost was just too high for an owner who notoriously doesn't want to spend. I don't think losing in the wild card round was overachieving for the Chargers. What What... Brandon Staley is lucky that his team doesn't have any fans because if he was the coach of the Bears or the Eagles or the Patriots, can you imagine the outrage of a fan base if if this was a team that actually had a real fan base? They don't really have a home. Are they in San Diego? Are they in L.A.? And usually their home games are filled with fans of whoever the visiting team is. I mean, it's a de facto home game if you go and play the Chargers. To me, with Herbert, given the advantages that they have, they had to do better than this. 
And this is now two years in a row where they have gone out in really embarrassing fashion because the coach has mangled the game. My issue with Brandon Staley has nothing to do with Wednesday or Thursday or even going for it on fourth down, Courtney. Mm -hmm. He he is single-handedly, to me, responsible for the fact that they didn't make the playoffs last year and the fact that they're not playing this weekend. I think that's on his watch in both cases. And I think if he was the coach of 31 other teams, he'd be fired. But he's lucky that he plays for a cheap owner, you know, and that he's with a team that doesn't really have a fan base. So no one's showing up at his front door with a pitchfork like they would be in so many other NFL cities. He had some interesting things to say in this press conference. He was asked if he was outcoached by Doug Peterson, said, quote, that wasn't the case for a half. Well, okay. Very so obviously, the, he got outcoached in the second the case half. For a half. So which he half didn't is specify. more important? I Hold think on, he met the first one. Which half is more important, the first half or the second half? Good Lord. No, I, you're right. And I think I'd prefer the second half. Look, uh, also, there's an easy answer to that question. Did we lose? Yes. Okay, I got outcoached. You know, we got outplayed. We got out everything. You hear coaches say that stuff all the time. He's getting defensive, Courtney, because he knows it's true. He doesn't belong as an NFL head coach. It was a bad hire to begin with. It's a long way from John Carroll to the National Football League, and there are no shortcuts. No, and I mean, it's just... It's unfortunate if you are one of the tens of Charger fans that are out there right now, knowing that you have a great quarterback, but you might be hamstrung by this guy who's still going to be there next year. Brandon Staley remaining the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, at least it appears for now. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Coming up next, we'll talk to a Hall of Famer as we get set for Bengals-Bills in the divisional playoffs. But first, Aaron has this from FanDuel. That's right. Well, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and right now, NFL playoffs are heating up. The easiest way for you to get in on the action with FanDuel is for you to go to FanDuel.com or download the FanDuel app. New customers join today. You get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up using the promo code PLAY. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money lines to point spreads and player props. Don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, when you use the promo code. It's PLAY, P-L-A-Y. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. It most certainly will be 3 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. It's Bengals Bills in the AFC Divisional Playoffs. And the Bills are so good. We knew that they would be here at this stage of the postseason and that they would be able to overcome any sort of turnover that comes from quarterback Josh Allen. Why? Because we've never had to question with the Bills and their coaching staff if they knew what down it is in the game, unlike their opponent from the wild card round, the Miami Dolphins. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer kicking it with you on this Wednesday afternoon, as always presented by Progressive in insurance before we get to this game and we will because there's a lot to talk about here the storylines with the bills and the Bengals facing off for the first time since that infamous monday night football game where demar hamlin ended up leaving the game due to sustaining cardiac arrest but like i think back to this Bengals, excuse me this bills and dolphins game in the wild card round and the fact that miami was two minutes and 28 seconds away from either tying up the game or going for the touchdown and Mike McDaniel says that they didn't know what town it was. They didn't know it wasn't first and ten. They thought they didn't know that they didn't know it wasn't fourth and one, and they thought it was first and ten. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, with a, I, with as many people as you have on a support staff in football, Aaron. Like, I still can't get past that part. Well, part of it is that they have a third string quarterback in the game. Um, because how does that quarter- affect the coaching though, and like the decisions, I, it, and somebody not knowing to look at the chains? See, I, I that's what Mike McDaniel said. He took it on himself. But I'm telling you that from what I saw on that play, I think the fact that they had a third string quarterback in there under that level of pressure factored into it. Courtney, to me, the big takeaway from that game wasn't that the Bills won or anything the Dolphins did at the end. Like, the Bills were just super sloppy. Mm-hmm. And I wondered whether, you know, they knew they were go- getting Skylar Thompson pretty early in the week. Um, and I wonder if they just lost focus, if they thought that they could just roll the balls out and that they would win. You know, wh- people were talking about that it was the largest spread, that the Dolphins couldn't even begin to stay in the game with them. Everybody was betting on Buffalo minus 14, Buffalo minus 16. Look, I think no matter who you're playing, if you get to the playoffs, you got to focus on the main thing. And so now they dodged that bullet. They can't turn it over. They play like that against Cincinnati. I think it's safe to say they're going to lose. But I don't expect them to do that because I think the Bengals have their full attention, and I don't think the Dolphins did. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, it felt like the Dolphins were just trying to – they were trying to do whatever they could because Teddy Bridgewater dealt with the uh, the finger injury. He was available for the game, but Tyler Skyler Thompson was the one who got the nod early in the week, and the chips were stacked against this team. They were 14-point underdogs going into Sunday, but let's not forget this was a one-possession game in the third quarter. This game was decided by three points, and had some of the decision-making been a little different there, you have – all of the time leading up until the two-minute warning and then the two-minute warning to, to continue to wind down for this Miami team to try to either tie up the game with the field goal or go and go for the win. So I think what this speaks to, though, is that Buffalo showed that they were vulnerable and Josh Allen showed he was volatile in that game where he threw three interceptions but also ended up through, throwing three touchdowns as well. 
And it leads you to believe, or excuse me, two, two interceptions, three touchdowns. It yeah. leads me to believe that maybe that version of him that had been kind of shelved for a couple of weeks where the turnovers and the elbow injury and all those things that we had seen midpoint of the season where he was the leading MVP candidate really up until week nine, that some of those issues, like they're not, go- they're not put away for good. Yeah, I, I think that he is trying too hard to be a superhero, okay? And he and doesn't have to be. Like, not with that have, offense that's, and effectively that's, that's, that's right. how well they're right. running the ball. That's right. I feel like he's trying to throw 21-point touchdowns on every play, and he needs to realize that this isn't rock and jock, and there is no 21-point touchdown, and it's okay to take the check down, and it's okay to throw the ball away every once in a while. Now, are all the turnovers his fault? Courtney, they're not. I mean, one of the interceptions bounced right off of Bill's receiver's hands, what are you supposed to do there? That's that's not on Josh Allen. But I thought there was some hero ball out of him. Okay. And I think that you can't win that way. So I hope that he's, you know, I, I'm not trying to change who he is if I'm Sean McDermott, but I'm just reminding him there are 52 other guys on this roster and you don't have to throw a 75-yard touchdown pass and make Sports Center on every single play you make. No, and and you're right. Like there were moments where he was trying to do too much. I think that that's like the pretty obvious thing with Josh Allen that we've seen kind of throughout his career that there have been moments that are troubling. Moments that, you know, for them blowing a 17-point lead in that game and then taking care of the ball, like that's where momentum shifted for this Buffalo team. Yeah. yeah. They were 14-point favorites coming in, like and I don't I don't want to say they took the Dolphins lightly at all. I just think that, you know, there was Oh, I I think they did. Like how could you not allow, oh, they have a third-string quarterback. Ugh, they've lost all these games in a row. They backed their way into the playoffs. They, they won I don't, 11 I don't to think 6 Buffalo, against the Jets. Everything that that team had been through the last couple weeks, they knew how emotionally volatile things were. I mean, you think back to the Patriots game in Week 18 and just, you know, the feeling that was injected into that game coming off of the DeMar Hamlin situation in Cincinnati and huh. the way they came out there. Sean McDermott, I know he didn't want to use this word, but Tracy Wolfson did not come up with the word flat on her own when she was talking to him in the first half. That is absolutely the word that he was worried he used to describe how worried he was about his team coming out in the AFC wildcard round coming out a little flat. They didn't come out flat. They got flat as the game went on, giving up that 17-point lead. And I think with Josh Allen, I mean, again, incredible throws, some like just baffling misses along the way, turnover-worthy plays. He was just, like, airing the ball out downfield nonstop. Like, some of it just didn't make sense. Again, that goes back to the hero ball, trying to hit a home run when you should be looking for a single sort of mindset that you can't get away with. Even as injured as the Cincinnati Bengals are right now, especially up front, you can't get away with that against this team, which has experience at the stage. Yeah, I, I think the bigger concern for Buffalo than Josh Allen and turnovers is the way their defense is playing because uh, I thought that was the area of their team. You know, they didn't tackle well, I thought, Courtney, in that game. They are obviously missing Von Miller, who they've been now missing for a long time. Um, they have to get great play from their safeties. I mean, Jordan Poyer has to be awesome in order for them to be able to get to and win the Super Bowl here. Uh, but I, I just think that's an area, and that's Sean McDermott's specialty. Mm-hmm. That's an area where they just need to tighten up the screws a little bit uh, because I thought that was the facet of the game where they just let some things slip that shouldn't have gone through. I mean, the 
the Allen fumble that got recovered, returned for a touchdown, okay, that's seven of the points. But there were there were too many times a little three-yard dumpy pass turned into an 18-yard gain in that game for Buffalo. And I, I think they just need to be conscious of that and pay closer attention to detail. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Coming up next, what's next for New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton? Where might he end up this coaching cycle? That's next, Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. I just did a quick Google search regarding Sean Payton and his openings and potential spots he might land land as a head coach. And everywhere saying that they've got the leg up, whether it's the Broncos, whether it's the Houston Texans, whether it's the Carolina Panthers. Sounds like everybody thinks that they are getting the New Orleans Saints head coach, who, again, remains under contract with the Saints. It's going to take at least a first-round pick, more than likely, to get Sean Payton out from that contract with the Saints and potentially a player thrown into the mix. But his candidacy remains one of the hot ones this coaching cycle. There's five openings currently, and Sean Payton going to be interviewing for a number of jobs in the next couple days. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Crone and Aaron Goldhammer sitting in for the guys. What is the best option for Sean Payton? So we know the Texans have interests, certainly Carolina, Denver. I would have thought the Los Angeles Chargers, had they fired Brandon Staley, would have been the no-brainer. But it feels like this cycle, and there's two other options in there as well, including the Indianapolis Colts, who they're looking for a head coach as well, Aaron. I don't know if the if this is like the sexiest cycle for Sean Payton to get involved with as far as head coach openings and the potential quarterbacks he'd get to work with. Well, I don't know what he wants, you know. Um, does he want to make a lot of money? Well, I think the Denver Broncos would be a place that would probably pay him a lot of money. There was a story that they paid $400,000 to resod their field for the last game of the season because the the Waltons came in and the Penners and they said this isn't acceptable and I mean Walmart owns the Broncos. So I think if he wants to make money, that could be a great job. Does he want to go somewhere where he could go back to another Super Bowl? If that's what he really wants, then sitting out another year, Courtney, is only going to make the buzz around him continue to grow. Yeah. I mean, and, and, he, and he's got options. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be this year because, again, no. like Arizona, Indianapolis, 
Denver. Who else am I forgetting here? The Houston Texans and right. there's one, and there's one more, um, Carolina Panthers. It's five openings that they don't. I don't know. Not like any slight on those teams, but think about the quarterback situations at each one. You don't know who your quarterback's going to be in Indianapolis, so maybe that would be right. great for Sean Payton to it, be it, able it, to pick it, it, up whoever well, he wants on, Cordy, in the draft. It, it is a slight on those teams. Like, do you really think the Bronco job historically it is a good job? That is a marquee franchise. The current state of affairs, do you not want to have a draft pick for a long time? Do you want to be saddled with Russell Wilson? Like, I don't know. Carolina's a good job? Really? Like, what's on their roster that's so exciting or fun? Arizona? That sounds like a nightmare of a job. Yeah. No, I mean, this is probably the first year in a couple where there hasn't at least been the quarterback intrigue at any of the five openings that you have. Outside of the fact that Houston has the number two draft pick, Indianapolis has number four. So if you are Sean Payton, say, I want to get a guy and develop a guy, yeah. you'd probably have the, the pick of the litter with either of those picks. And knowing that Chicago holds the number one pick, one of those two teams might end up moving up to get whoever they want on the draft board in that number one spot. But if you're going to a place with an, an established veteran, I mean, Kyler Murray's out until November at the very earliest next year because of his ACL tear. We don't know what the situation is going to be uh, in Indianapolis. We've said the same thing with Houston. Carolina, I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They're probably going to have to draft one. And, you know, it's just the option with Russell Wilson, I don't know if – do we really think that Sean Payton can walk in there and just magically fix him? The guy was a scheme-transcendent quarterback, and now he's not. Like, you're going to have to design an entire new offense for this guy who I'm not entirely sure – that's going to help. Like Seattle saw the writing on the wall when they decided to pull off this trade, and I think that they get the last laugh here. I'm not so sure that this is just like an easy fix. You bring in a new offensive voice. You bring in somebody who knows what they're doing in yeah. Sean Payton, unlike Nathaniel Hackett, and expect that this is going to fix things. Well, I, I just wonder, in reality, not the way he's answered questions in interviews, and what does he really want? You know, Is there one job out there that he's always dreamt of having? Is that the Dallas Cowboy job or does he not want that job at all because he wants to be able to, you know, cook the dinner and make the groceries? And he knows that Jerry Jones is always going to be picking the groceries in Dallas. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't decide that for him. I guess I think Denver's the best job available. But if I'm grading, you know. The, the best job is a C in this cycle. You know, yeah. there are no B's, let alone any A opportunities. Those only come around every so often. To be honest with you, I know they're keeping Dennis Allen. I might rather have the New Orleans Saints job than any of the available jobs right now. Speaking of another team that would potentially be looking for a quarterback or doing something down the line, whether it's next year or the year beyond that, knowing Jameis Winston's contract situation, I don't know. I don't know if him going back there makes a whole ton of sense, and that would certainly be some maneuvering. But what do the options hold? What do the, his options hold beyond this year? Let's hear from Dan Graziano on whether Sean Payton could wait another year, sitting out this cycle, getting in next year. The compensation for the Saints might not have to be as extensive if he waits a year. You know, he knows the landscape. He knows what's out there. He'll hear from the teams in terms of money and what kind of personnel control and what the quarterback situation is expected to be and all that. And yeah, I don't think he's in a situation, Sean Payton, where he has to just take any old job. I I do believe that it's something where he could wait a year if the perfect opportunity is not there for him. Because the perfect opportunity is not there. Yeah, yeah, right. Let me ask you this through the lens of the team that you spend the most time around. Courtney, would, do you think the Bears would rather have Bryce Young 
um, I, I, I or Sean Stroud. Payton, would, would they trade the number one pick in the draft to have Sean Payton? Like, is he qu- worth that much? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like just with all the changes that they've already un- undergone in the last calendar year, and even now, in t- heading into their most pivotal off season of you know potentially ever with his franchise, I don't know if they would do that just yet. But again, they're going to be fielding calls on this number one draft pick throughout the, throughout the next couple weeks, next couple months. If the Saints came in and said, "Hey, we want that number one." I know they like Matt Eberflus, and I know that they like what he's done so far to establish something here. I don't know they'd want to stray from that right away right. and you know break up what he and Ryan Poles have built. Sean Payton, though, might be the one that might kind of be the exception to that rule. That's the only yeah. one that I could well, potentially I mean, think of. I, I guess I would say other than a franchise quarterback, having the right coach in the NFL is more valuable almost than anything. I mean, any other look, position, any other player. Look at what happened with Jacksonville and Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, helping him rejuvenate his career at a very critical point in year two. You're right. It does matter. And if he gets somewhere with one of these five teams, you can – be sure that the quarterback situation will be in a far better place next year than it is currently. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.